Amen. Well, I want to share this morning some scriptures out of Luke. If you would go with me to Luke chapter 2 as we get ready to receive our offering. And 
If you're watching online, you, there's a place for you to donate in, in just a few moments. But Luke chapter 2, verse 8, I want to just give you some points out of this story from the shepherds, okay? And um, I believe there's some things we need to go into this new year with that they had. It's something that it was in them. I think it's to be in us. But in verse 8, now there were in the same country shepherds living out in the fields, keeping watch over their flock by night. It was dark. Now night is when the predators show up. So they had to be on guard. And you and I are living in what I believe is going to be a time of darkness. Isaiah says darkness will cover the earth and deep darkness the people. But that's not the end of the story, thank God. It's just the beginning of the story for you and me. It's the time that we've, we've been waiting for. I heard someone speak prophetically that has been speaking over this season prophetically. And I think he's from Nashville. But he said that we are living in a time of the greatest battles history's ever known this side of Armageddon. And something rung in my spirit when I heard that. That I know Armageddon's going to be pretty serious. But these are serious days as well. These are not days for cowards. It's not a time to be a wimp. It's a time to know who you are in Christ, and to know who he is, most of all, inside of us. And, uh, but they were watching over their flock by night. And behold, at that very moment, and that's what we're living for, we know it doesn't matter whatever the darkness, the enemy has planned. Seems like I heard someone that wants to be in charge, that we're going into a dark winter. Well, my prayer is, number one, he would not be in charge. And number two, regardless, we're not going into that dark winter that he talked about. I'm going into something more. And you're going into it too. Isaiah 61 speaks about that. For behold, or Isaiah 60, and behold, an, an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them. That's where we're going. And they were greatly afraid. Now, that should get our attention because... You know, at least is it 100 times or more where the scriptures say, do not fear, do not be afraid. You know why it says that? Because there are going to be things that you would be tempted to fear. And so the word of the Lord is do not fear. Do not fear. We're going to have to repeat that. That's those scriptures you want to put on your refrigerator. We used to do that in the old days until now you just look it up online. You may want to put it back on your refrigerator. You know, just to be safe. Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which will be to all people. In other words, things that we thought would cause fear and we thought would bad news could be the very thing that God is going to use to launch the greatest. It could be the catalyst for the greatest news we've ever known. And that's the way it is in our own lives. There are things that happen and it looks really bad. God, this is bad. This is worse. And then it's, what the, it's the very thing God uses to reveal himself and to launch you into the next purpose and such as that. You know, there are things we don't know they're going to work out, but they work because he's working all things. So he's working them out for our good. Now let's go on in, in verse 11, you know the scripture, for there is born to you the city of David, a Savior who is Christ the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a babe 
wrapped in swaddling clothes lying in a manger and suddenly there was this great host of heaven. I, I have a feeling we're going to get to see something like this in this hour. We're going to come out here, people see angels. I don't often see them, but I believe what they're saying. But it doesn't matter. I'm going to hear. I'm going to stand out on that big platform out there. I'm telling you, you hadn't seen anything yet. God is going to have the testimony that's going to get the greatest attention in this hour. It's his name that's going to be exalted. It's his fame that we're going to be a part of. But anyway, glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace, goodwill toward men. And so it was when the angels had gone away from them into heaven that the shepherds said to one another, let us now go to Bethlehem and see. So that's where I want to begin. I want to look at some lessons from the shepherds because they had to respond to what they had seen. And you and I have to respond in this hour to what God is doing, what God is saying. And that we need this week, let me challenge you to get along with God somewhere. You know, you may not be able to go to the mountains where I go, but then you can. They're not very far away. You can, you can find places where no trespassing signs are. You can, you can do that too. And I used to not pay any attention to the no trespassing signs until I married Shirley, and she won't let me get away with anything. And then I thought, you know, I, don't, I need to pay attention to those signs. So now I walk around where there not are, you know. I just, no, anyway, I don't give away my secrets. No, I don't do that. I don't. I'm not going to stretch the rules. She says, don't do that. So anyway, some lesson they apply to me. Lessons from the shepherds. And the first thing is, in verse 15, it says, So it was when the angels had gone away, let us now go to Bethlehem and see. The first thing, it says, let us now go and see. Let us now go. We're going to have to get up, get out of whatever we think has gotten us drawn and demanded our attention. Get up out of that and go and see. There's a higher calling. There's a higher purpose that God has for us in this hour. You know, we've always heard. It's true that wise men still seek him. Well, be among the wise in this hour. Amen. Be among the wise. And you won't be left out of what God is doing. Those who seek him will what? They're going to find him. Jesus said, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. And we're to seek him while he is found. He can be found. Call upon his name while he's what? While he's near. I'm telling you, he's near right now. More than you know. This week we had a sign. Steve, did you see the sign? I went out, we couldn't see it. December 21st. They told us that Saturn and Jupiter came together. You know, it hadn't been that way, what, in 800 years or something. And you were supposed to see. They said it was the Bethlehem star. We went outside and I didn't see it. I looked all over. But then where we live, you know, I don't know, there are trees and things. Maybe I just missed it. But I, people wondered, could it have been a sign from heaven? I guarantee you it was a sign from heaven. If the first Bethlehem star was a sign, you bet what God is doing in the heavens in this hour is a sign. It was a sign of good news the first time. It's a sign of even greater news in this hour. It's the coming news. And uh, maybe, you know, good news is really good in the backdrop of bad news. And that's what it may look like in the world. But how many of you know we're in the world, but we're not of it? 
We have a different story. But this, I believe, what I saw in this, it's not only let us go and see, but it's changed from now to what he has come to show us. This has got to be our focus. God, what are you saying? What are you showing me in this hour? What are you showing the church and our nation? And we want to hear. I want to hear. I want to have ears to hear what he's saying. Now, what did he come to show us? Just refresh our memory in the scripture. Well, he came to show us the Father. Remember Philip. He said, Lord, show us the Father. Jesus said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father, right? And, uh, you know, it's, it's good that you know that. But then the second thing, he showed us the Father's love. All over the world, the nations of the earth. God is going to again show us the love that he has. But he already showed us. He already demonstrated that. You know, there's no greater love than this than one would lay down his life. Jesus laid down his life. And then he came to show us the way. Who was it? Thomas said, Lord, we don't know the way. How are we going to know? You know, and he said, Jesus said, I am the way. I'm the truth. I am the life. And uh, no one will know me. No one comes to me but you know, by the Father, comes to the Father, but by me. And then, you know, the Bible says we're going to know his glory. You know, Moses said, God, show us your glory. Show us your glory. I have a feeling that before all this thing is said and done, we're going to see the glory of the Lord in the house of the Lord. It's going to be such when we walk in. We're not going to make it to the front. I'm just telling you, I believe that with all my heart. I'm looking for that day when you're struck by the presence of God. And I know God's with us. If he would come to a little Christmas service where the anointing, that's the one, of the, one of the ways you know the anointing is when the songs come alive again. You can sing a song that was written back in the 1300s. doesn't matter. But there's new life on that. You know what I'm talking about? And that means there's an anointing. That's one of the ways. It's like when you pray and, and you, time flies by. You ever been there? You know, that's a sign of the anointing. And we got to recognize the anointing. But then secondly, the thing that I see from the shepherds, it says, let us go now and see this thing which has come to pass. Now, this is a two-way street. There are things that are passing away, and there are things that are coming to pass. Right? What are some of the things passing away? 1 John 2, 17, the world is passing away. The world system. You know, the Bible says that Satan, he's the God of this age. He's the prince of the power of the air. He's the God of the world system. The earth belongs to the Lord in the fullness thereof, and he's given to the sons of men. But this world system is passing away. Let me give you an example of the world system. Because it says in that the world is passing away and it's lust. You know, lust is that desire to have. I'll give you an example. When you're trying to watch a football game and up in the stands, there's a bunch of cardboard fans with a smile on their face looking at you. That is as fake. It's demonic. I'm telling you, there's something more. It's something intrinsically evil about that. But it's, it's the world passing away and the lust thereof. But he that does the will of God will last forever. And that's what the Lord's saying. It's, that's not important. Do the will of God. Get involved. Matthew 24, 35. Heaven and earth will pass away. But my word 
shall remain. That's why I read from the scriptures. 2 Corinthians 5.17. If anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. Old things are what? Passed away. That, that old mindset. Now we have to have our minds renewed. But it's that we get a new moral compass. Something happens that, that sets us astray. Sets us on a new course. Revelation 21.1. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. But the first heaven and earth passed away. And there was no longer any sea. 1 Corinthians 7.31. For the form of this world is passing away. And then the scripture all of you know. 2 Peter 3.10. The heavens will pass away with a great noise. And the elements will melt away with what? Fervent heat, but the earth and the works that are in it will be burned up. And the shepherds, they came to see what was coming to pass. I'm going to show you something real quick, then we'll go back to that story. Look at Isaiah 51. Isaiah 51. This is one thing that's coming to pass, regardless of what's passing away. Verse 6, lift up your eyes to the heavens. Look on the earth beneath, for the heavens will vanish away like what? Like smoke, the earth will grow old like a garment. And then the second part, and those who dwell in it will die in like manner. How many of you know that's true? We're not going to live forever, nor will the earth. But, well, it will in one way, but not in the way in this present state. But my salvation will be forever, and my righteousness will not be abolished. The salvation of God will last forever. And then the third thing that they saw, it said, let us come see this thing that has come to pass, which the Lord has made known to us. And they were just acknowledging that we would not be able to see what we've seen if God had not opened our eyes to see it. And so it is in this hour. We're not going to see what God is doing unless he opens our eyes. And that's why it says, let him who has ears to hear, hear. We should be asking God, God, give me 2021 vision and 2021 ears to hear. I want to hear. I want to see what you're doing. We're living in the days of the greatest revelation. These are the days we've been waiting for. It's the revelation of the Son of God. You know, we look at the book of Revelation sometimes as some kind of a horror story. It can be. There's a new grace coming, and we're going to stand firm. But it's the revelation of Jesus. And I pray, wherever you're watching from, that God will give you that revelation. Give your nation a revelation of him. If you know him, if you see him, everything else will dim. Everything else will fade into the past. And then they came with haste. There was an urgency. And I feel that right now. And I know you would not be here. You wouldn't come. Man, this is a... You know there are challenges when you try to come to this church. I know one of the reasons, because of the calling that's upon this ministry. But there's an urgency as we enter in 2021. Man, I'm not, it, I remember, was it 1990? When were we married? I don't know, but it was one of those 90s. I don't know. But I remember we were in Pittsburgh. And it was Mount Washington. And your mom and dad took us to eat, Mount Washington. We're overlooking the city of Pittsburgh and they're gonna have these fireworks, remember that? And it was glorious. And I remember I could not wait. I couldn't wait. It's like I was a little kid, you know. It's like I was looking at a milkshake. I don't know what it was. I just couldn't wait to get it. 
I said, God, I can't wait. I can't wait. It wasn't the fireworks. I mean, I've seen fireworks. Yeah, it was pretty good. But I couldn't wait for that year. You ever been there? Well, I'm asking God to give us. I know. You know, we don't know all that's coming. But I pray God will give us that sense of urgency. That we're entering into a God-ordained season. This is a time we've been waiting for all of our lives. God has been preparing us, putting us in through the fire and beating us, you know. I mean, yeah, that is, you do get disciplined if he loves you, right? Getting us ready to make us sons that will bring him glory. Make heaven take notice. But it means to have an urgency. It means to be eager. No more delay. To be impelled. You know, we should be urgent, number one, about preaching the gospel because the gospel is the hope. I can't think of another thing that's going to bring hope in this. Can you? In nothing. What politician is going to bring the world hope? Now, there'll be some godly men and women. They'll do some godly things. But the only hope is Jesus Christ in this hour. He's the only answer. He's all the answer and he's the only thing that's going to work it's the gospel and uh, you know i remember well you remember too 911 9-11 and the firemen running the first responders running into the burning building and we'll never forget some of those scenes and some of the things we saw that happened on that day but you and i you know the building the world is on fire if you haven't noticed the nation is on fire just ask nashville tennessee for a brief moment the other day, they saw that explosion downtown. And, but the whole world is on fire. And you and I have the answer. We are those. We are called to run into the burning buildings. And that's what we're going to do on those Friday nights. Whether they come or not, we know they're going to be watching. We're going to run into the building. This is the time, man, to let it all hang out. This is not a time to rest on your laurels. Does that make sense? It's a time to get up and run. And then, you know, it's, it's an urgent that many hear. Let God open the ears, open the ears. I've been standing on Isaiah 29, which says, They will see out of obscurity and darkness, and they will have ears to hear the words of the book. Remember that prophecy. We've spoken about that a number of times, and I'm still standing. God, that you'll give the whole world ears to hear the words of the book. What book? His book. His word. And, um, and I believe he's going to do it. And then there's an urgent to come to him. Man, don't wait. This is not the hour to wait, to wait, to see what happens. No, it's an hour to run to him. He said, all you that are weary, heavy laden, if you're hungry, he's the only one that's going to give you. He's the only one that can satisfy that thirst. You know, I'm going back, and I still pray this prayer, but I remember when we were in West Virginia, God put it in my heart in those early days, that first church that I pastored. And every Sunday I'd say, God, let me preach today. And there were only 25, 30, 40, 50 people. I don't know how many that would come to that little church. You couldn't find that church. If you tried, you could not. Now, today we have GPS, and you can, maybe. I don't know that the GPS would find where that church was in West Virginia. But anyway, I would pray every Sunday. I'd go out behind the church and say, God, let me preach as if it's the last time I'm ever going to preach. And then let me preach, Lord, like it's the last time someone that's going to be listening, whether well, only 20 or 25, will hear the gospel. And then let me preach as if it's the Holy Spirit speaking, God. 
Let them hear your voice. And I'm praying that every time. I'm telling you, we got to have that urgency. And then they found more than they had imagined. You can see that in verse 16. And they came with haste and they found the baby lying in a manger. You know, that's way more. Actually, it's way less than what they had expected. Because the dominant thought of that day is they were waiting for a king that would come and reign. Little did they know the king came. He just didn't come the way they thought he was coming. How many of you think that's possible in our, our time? He might come in a little different way than what you and I have always expected. It might look a little different. It may seem a little simple. It may seem a little humble. It may seem like, God, how could you move in a place like that? How could you move in, a, in someone like me? Well, I'm telling you, he's going to show himself strong in those that humble themselves. They found more than they imagined. I'm telling you, we don't have the chance or the opportunity to preach just the good news. This is the greatest news every nation on earth has ever heard. And it's going to be like a fresh announcement. It's the gospel is coming fresh. There are people that have grown cold in America. They've grown up hearing. They've you know, turn through the radio dial. Now it's, you know, XM radio and the internet radio. But we've grown up on hearing the gospel. I'm prophesying you're going to hear the gospel as if you've never heard it before. It's going to be heard. The prodigals are even going to hear the gospel again. They've fallen away. They're going to hear it again. It's going to be brand new. And they're going to say, yes, God again and run to him. And then they saw him. Verse 17, when they went, you can see it, they had seen him. And listen, they're not looking for us in this hour. You know who they're looking for? They're looking for Jesus. Remember, where's that scripture? They said, sir, we would see Jesus. Well, that's what they're looking for. That's the announcement. And our part is to show them him. He said, if I be lifted up, if we do anything, when we come together in those meetings and every Sunday, we just want to lift him up. Lift him up. That's all I want to do from here on out. I figure if he brought me this far through all the dangerous toils and snares, then I can lift him up from here on out. You know what I mean? Just give him glory. Because this is all about him. I've learned I can do no thing without him. No thing. I also have learned there is no thing good in me. Nothing. I don't even, how many of you have learned you don't even have any confidence in the flesh at all? In fact, it, the flesh doesn't even smell good. It used to, maybe. It even, it's, there's no even, it's no good. There's no good in the flesh. It's that which is birth, that which is born, of, that's what he told us. It's that which is born from above. And uh, that's where we're living. The wind blows where it will, and you don't even know where it comes from. But it blows, it's going to leave a mark. And then they made known all that was concerning him. Yeah. Now, remember we talked, was it last week or the week before? No, it was that word the Lord gave me about the troops are coming. Did you guys see that word? Yeah. You don't even know if you saw it, but it went all over. I don't know, many people saw it, many places. And we were praying. Now we were praying for the spiritual troops, right? We want God. Our nation is, is hanging in the balance. Men cannot save us. Our hope is not in men. Well, our hope is in you. We lift up our eyes to the hills from where our help comes from. He's the helper. 
He's the helper. He's the redeemer. He's the rescuer. He's the only one that can pull us out of the ditch they have dug for us and then see that they themselves who dug the ditch fall themselves into it. That's our prayer. But we were praying, God, send the troops. It was out of the Paul. Some of the people wondered, where'd you get that from? Paul, they were threatening him. They wanted to kill him. And the commander, they brought word to the commander. So it said the commander came with the troops and rescued Paul. And that's what we're praying. God, come with your troops, with heaven's host. He's the Lord of heaven's army. We need heaven's army as well as the army on the earth. We have to cooperate with heaven's army, praying thy kingdom come, thy will be done. But we saw that at the end of that story, Paul focused on two things. You remember what they were. He focused on the kingdom of God. That's got to be our focus. Man, I'm going to preach the kingdom. This is the day of the gospel of the kingdom. Preach the kingdom. And then he prayed all things, or he preached all things that pertain or concerning the Lord Jesus Christ. And then it says, unhindered, no one restraining him. You want to be free from the restraints that are coming in this hour? Preach the kingdom. Live the kingdom and tell people all things concerning the Lord Jesus Christ. And he'll see to it that you're under divine mandate, divine protection. And then in verse 18, and all those who heard it marveled. They had a sense of wonder, a sense of shock. You know, they were shocked. And you know, we need, I saw this week, we need this, what do they call it? The defibrillator, you know, where you apply America needs a shock. The shaking has awakened some, but it hadn't awakened others. There's some that are still asleep. So God, we kind of need not only the shaking, we need the shock, the shock and awe, the shock that will give us the awe of who God is and shock us back into life and the reality of who he is. And I believe God wants to do that. And you know, I'm gonna close this up, we're gonna pray and then Alex is going to come this morning and preach the second half. I want to start doing that more and more so you guys get ready. But remember in Isaiah chapter 8 and then right at the end, it says, and then they looked to the earth. And what did they see? Darkness, doom, anguish, gloom, trouble. I don't know. You can see all the words. There are about four words. I don't know if gloom is. No, doom is not there, but gloom is. And there are many people right now, they're looking to the earth, and what do they see? They're seeing darkness and trouble and anguish and gloom. And yet, thank God that's, there's a chapter nine of the story. Because Isaiah chapter nine says, those who sat in darkness have seen a great light. And that's the prophecy. It says, the child is born and there's a son is given. Remember that. And of the increase of his government, there will be no end. The governments of men are going to fail. Your hope is not going to be in Uncle Sam if you're an American, whoever you call it, in your own country, your nation. The government can't supply what God can supply. And God will be faithful to those that know him and those that turn to him in this hour. And I want to, I want to know him, and I know you want to know him. It goes on in that scripture, talks about how he's an everlasting Father, a wonderful counselor, prince of peace, mighty God. I'm telling you, 
I know the spirit of Antichrist is going to have a season where they're going to do some, some things that in their mind will be mighty, but they will never outdo the mighty one that we know and that we serve. And God is going to get the greatest testimony in this hour that will last through all of eternity. But the testimony you need is to know him. And so we want to pray right now for those in this room, those that are watching. If you've never yet met Jesus, this is the day. This is the hour of salvation. And also, the Bible says, all that calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. With the heart you believe in him that God raised his son from the dead, you confess with your mouth. You shall be saved. You have to turn from sin. You have to repent. That word means to change. Basically, you say, God, what I've been doing is sin. I confess this is sin. I've sinned against you. And I turn to you. And I receive by faith your forgiveness. He washes away. How many of you are grateful for the blood of Jesus? Man, we're going to get to preach on the blood again. It's going to be, Jimmy, just like we've never heard it before. The blood of Jesus. It never has lost its power. Some of those denominations quit singing that song where they better get ready to sing it again because the blood is powerful, the blood of Jesus. So we want to pray for you that I believe there's some of you, you're prodigals. You once were near, but you fell away. You were lured by the, the lust of this world. Where has it led you? To a cardboard fan sitting in the stands with a smile on his face. Bored. That's what he is. He's bored. He's a piece of bored. We live in a, a world that's gone mad. There's only one answer. His name is Jesus. Come back to him. I hear the Lord saying, come back. Come to me. Come back to me. Run to me. You will not in any way be disappointed. So I want to pray right now. You guys pray with me. Maybe there's someone in this room, someone watching. You say, I've never met Jesus, but I want to know him. I want to know that I'm saved. I'm going to heaven. Would you pray with me? So we want to pray with you right now. Just you pray with me out loud as a reconfirmation. Say, dear God, I need you. And I believe in Jesus, that he is the son of God. That he lived a sinless life. And that he died on the cross. The just for the unjust. And I right now come to you, Jesus, and I ask you to forgive me of all my sin. Cleanse me of all unrighteousness. Be my Lord and Savior. I receive you by faith. I confess you as my Lord. And I ask you to fill me with the Holy Spirit. From this moment on, I will live for you for the rest of my life. And I thank you, Lord. I thank you, Lord. Lord, I want to pray right now for people that are battling sickness. God, we have people in our own family, our own church family. If you don't come through, Lord, I don't know how much longer. And so we pray for the power of heaven. We pray, Lord, you are the same yesterday, today, and forever. And I ask you to step into the scene of those here and those watching where there's great physical need, and I pray for healing and deliverance and salvation. Lord, I pray you would, Lord, where there's a need, show yourself strong in the name of Jesus because you are the Savior and you're the healer. 
And we thank you for this in Jesus' name. Amen. I've been given 30 minutes. <laughs> You've got to hang in there to uh, archive the gathering. Uh, we will put on a, a, a two-hour service. And, and I like that because uh, Helen said that the real had come. How would you say that this morning? No more playing church. Um, we know we've been going through a transition here. Uh, it's a new beginning. It's not necessarily a bad thing. God sifts. Uh, he, he shifts. He rearranges things. Uh, he exalts those things that make themselves low. Uh, we were working on creating a real culture of honor here, and that's not, yeah, yeah amen. Uh, you're our pastor, all morning, if your ears are ears that hear, he says, look how people are finding their place. They're, they're well-suited for their place. They're, they're equipped, they're amply and abundantly supplied for their place. Um, and everybody's finding it. He slipped out of here. I was going to say, I dressed up for Ed Brady. I'm going to honor Ed. Ed. There he is. He walked in the door just as I mentioned his name. Uh, he has a wonderful wardrobe, okay? And you don't necessarily get to wear all your good clothes once you're not in business anymore or you're in the right place. So I wanted to try to help create an atmosphere a little bit. And besides... Fat men don't look good in t-shirts, but you can look pretty good in a sports jacket. Amen. Every day is Christmas. Little children have said for centuries, I wish every day could be just like Christmas. And in Matthew chapter 1, that old tax collector, he, he kept things right. You know what I'm saying? Tax collectors keep ledgers. They're like CPAs. They're, they're the bean counters of society. They're, they're not the artists or the inspired ones. They're, they're the ones that keep things straight. And he gave us an account of uh, Jesus on earth and, and his calling and the light coming in into the world. And so he starts out saying, I'm going to prove here who Jesus is. Right here is his papers. He's got a genealogy. Right? If I got a fine animal, I want some papers on that animal. I'm going to prove all the, the past and the family connections to, to the mother and the father. And he tells us that, but he tells us the most important thing, and that is that this little one is the Christ. He's the Messiah. He came. The anointed one. And his anointing. That, that's what that word means right there. The anointed one and his anointing came and we celebrate him in a mass 
a gathering to celebrate the anointed one and his anointing. Amen, Chris? God bless you for coming. For people who are listening, it's, it's odd. I want to talk a little bit about the normal becoming supernormal or the ordinary becoming extraordinary. I want to take my time. I want to talk about some things that have never been told. It's a little bit easier to listen to someone tell a story that you never heard before. And there's a story about some things that happened that there's not anybody out there, you know, on the higher levels of ministry fame that are talking about this. And it involves a lot of them. And it's a crossroads of the ordinary and the extraordinary. And, and I'm going to try to do this this morning if I can, is I really want to just talk from the heart and tell you a little bit about a story which happens to also be my story, but I believe it's pertinent to what God is doing in your story and Moravian Falls here today. Okay, because I'm standing here at a Morningstar Church in Moravian Falls, North Carolina, on a frosty December morning, fulfilling the Word of God in my life. And it's been a long, long time coming. So there's hope for you, because here's what my MO is, all right? Every preacher, every famous guy, everybody out there that you want to listen to, they kind of have their story, you know what I'm saying? If you listen to them for a while, you, you get, you know, this great thing happened, God appeared to me in this way, and, and, and that kind of thing, and guess what? I mean, I've got a pretty good story, and I haven't told a lot of that because it's so precious, you know what I mean? Like God can get so real to you, especially if your cause was like mine, and that was you, you had either no idea what to believe or your beliefs were always running counter to the gospel you were hearing and this holy God. Because there's a phenomenon on the earth, friend, you might have run into it a little bit from time to time yourself, and that is resistance to this good news. You'd think that everybody would just be flocking to Jesus. I mean, you know, it's like the greatest story ever told is the greatest story ever told that your circumstance here really is dire if you're on your own. I mean, if human intelligence is what's going to get us through this and create a future and uh, what you have in your soulish flesh as far as your, your mind, will, and emotions, and your intellect, and then poof, that's it. I've ate, drank, and been merry some. Okay? I need a little more than that. Uh, what is man going to hang his eternal future on? And you've heard it, and you've heard it, and you've heard it, and, and I've heard it. And so I think this is where we're at now. Because if you know me at all, you know my thing is what time is it? I'm a prophet. 
I believe that as a, my prophetic calling is one to say, okay, it's time for everybody to get up. It's time for everybody to get dressed. It's time for everybody to get in their place. You follow what I'm saying? I mean, it's important to me all the time about what time is it? And you have been hearing uh, an extraordinary thing coming out of the pulpit in this place for a long time and a lot of it seems unlikely but I'm here again this morning to ratify and uphold that God picks a place he picked this place he's not tired of this place people have come and gone but God picks places and makes monuments and memorials out of those places and significant events happen in places and I find it funny that I mean I'm kind of in my backyard and today I know that I'm standing in a very important place at a very important time and he told us about what was going to happen way way back so that's what I want to do I want to go way way back I've thought all week how far do you go back what do you tell if you're telling a living history about something it can involve people that are alive you know and stuff that happened and it's not all good okay uh, let me give you an example of this anybody you heard of Apollo 13 Apollo 13 was a, a pretty phenomenal just the fact that we went to the moon. Okay, so let's settle this. There are people over here that say we didn't go to the moon. And there are people over here that say that we went to the moon. And I'm going to say that God made man pretty smart and we went to the moon. Okay? I mean, we just needed to do that and prove that we could. It doesn't matter that we didn't go yesterday or we're not necessarily going tomorrow. Okay? But on April 11th of 1970, an Apollo mission named 13, it just happened to be the seventh Apollo mission, and it would be the third to land on the moon for you weirdos who like numbers and all that, and sevens and threes and twelves, you know. Uh, and, and you know I meant weirdo in love, okay? <laughs> We're in Moravian Falls at the Gathering Church. I mean, we, we attract everything here, Okay. <laughs> This mission was considered a successful failure. Okay? Uh, it's one of the most famous uh, manned rocket missions to go out to explore the moon. They didn't make it to the moon. That's why it was a failure, because that was their original objective, uh, was to make the moon. Uh, but immediately they found out that they had problems and it because here's here's why it's significant and why it's important that we did actually go to the moon because they wound up being um, inspired enough and resourceful enough and courageous enough that they saved those men's lives. Okay, and that, that I mean, if you know anything about it so easily, they could have been lost. And it's this beautiful story of a lifeboat and, 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 and how uh, when, when, when Americans in particular draw together uh, and they're inspired towards something, you know, they can, they can solve a problem. And even, even more so is we took all that science and all that physics and all that story and it became very human to us when somebody's life was on the line. The space program had gotten a little bit boring. This was 13 Okay, this was going to be number three to land on the moon, and you wouldn't think that we could be that callous that we'd be like, oh yeah, walking on the moon, no big deal, you know. 
Or, or if you were like my grandfather, you're like, well, we didn't go up there. We didn't do that anyway. So it doesn't matter if you did fake me out again, you know. Uh, it never happened. Uh, I went to a church that was a successful failure. There's been a lot of them. You might have come out of some of them. God uses all those successful failures to bring us together to be what we are now. And what we are now are people who have been wounded. We've been, we've been everything that you can be. But now we're here together now. And what we all need is just a central focus towards what does God want for us now. And it's simple. He wants you to be what He called and equipped you to be. And you know what it is. It's burning in your heart all the time. You know, what you lack is affirmation that it's true. I'll give you one hint. It needs to be something that is above what you can do and it ought to scare you to think that that's what you have to do. Okay? Honestly. I wish it wasn't like that. You know, I, I spent so much of my life resisting against that uh, because I like, you know, the what's the name of that thing, babe? Uh, the Virginia Creeper Trail. Anybody ever been there? Uh, we're worldwide. Let me tell you all something about there's a beautiful place where you can get on a bicycle and you can sit down and roll forward in about an hour to an hour and a half of coasting later, you're kind of at the bottom. I like bike trips like that. <laughs> exactly. This is not one of those. <laughs> what God has for you is a challenge. Okay, because you've got to be able to absolutely get out there where nothing is going to get it done except that God is real. That's, that's got to be the first one. So let me wind myself back to I'm a young 20-something-year-old. 20, 20 I'm barely over 20. Uh, I've been just like you. I've been like everybody else. I'm, I'm trying to figure out what's what. Uh, I was raised in a pretty restrictive Christian home, uh, but I had good people that loved me. You know, love could be hard sometimes, but that was also probably good, you know, um, and I heard about the gospel. It was a, it was a, it was a terrifying kind of gospel where God was mad and, uh, he was, he was pretty much waiting to thump humanity on the head again, you know, any minute. And, and, and when I reprocess that, this is a big thing to say, I don't believe that was the gospel. They preached a lot and talked about Jesus, but it was a Jesus that didn't get me out from under all those curses because they were telling me that I was under danger of being with curses and stuff all the time. And, uh, you know, I didn't have any clue for the longest time that I had a resident helper that Jesus left behind and uh, that together 
he and I could uh, rule the universe, at least our little corner of it. But here's what happened to me. Lucky thing, it can be whatever for you. For me, it was that I only had one thing going for me in life. Now, looking at me today, I know that's hard to believe, but... I was relentlessly bullied. I mean, honey, we could talk about that. If you need counseling, I know all about it, okay? Uh, there was nothing about my person that was attractive in any way. I, I was afraid of people. Uh, I was not athletic among a group. Everybody I knew was an athlete, uh, and my family was poor, and I was among a, a, a very affluent crowd. I mean, I did not have anything going for me, so to speak, in the world. But I had one thing, and that was that I could sit quietly alone in my room, and I could read a book, and when I read it, I remembered what it said. And you compound those one on top of another, and you start to know something, you know? And so I... I uh, I wanted to do well there, and, and one of the books that, that crossed my path was the Bible. And, and there were all these voices out there in, in my life, and there's way more voices out there in the world today telling you what the Bible said, and I, I needed two things. I, I needed to do well in school. I, I, track with me, you can. These went hand in hand for me. I, I just needed God. It's something for you. This was the something for me, how it started. And I, and I jumped out on the proposition that if I just talked to him, he might help me with my thing. Okay? My thing was I, I wanted to do my part. I wanted to read what I was reading in my book. But I wanted him to do his part, and that was help me remember it. Amen. You ever remember something? That's a southern word. I remembered that. Uh, that's a mystery. You might remember doing your part, and you might be able to explain to me physiologically how it is your brain works with all those little electrical circuits and you remember something and you found that file and it, it came back to you and I started with a really simple idea and I said God if you're out there would you get inside my brain would you make that thing work like it's designed to and whenever I put something in it I'll remember that and I'll be able to do something with that. And he said, okay, Alex, but this is a co-mission. It's a co-mission. You have a part and God has a part. And my part was, what did I let get into my brain? Okay, because this world not only has been, but you might have noticed it is filled with false prophets. Okay, and they're not all standing in churches. Most of them are behind television cameras today. You know, but it's people forth telling you the future. They're, they're telling you the history of a people. Because prophecy can be that. It can include, you know, what, what is our history? How did we get here? You know, and it's, it's what's happening in the present moment. And it's what's going to happen to us in the future. And I know I hadn't talked about my church that much. But anyway, we seem to be going into good direction here. We're all right. I'm telling you that I'm a person just like you. 
that wherever you are, whoever you are, God's a supernatural God and he wants to meet you in a supernatural way. So, so here's what happens to me. Okay? It's kind of the groundwork of all that. And what I do is I just step out on the idea that God's going to be real there for me. And so whenever I start seeking Him, I start seeking Him the way, the way He said. I started out really simple. You know, pick up the book of Matthew. I read to you a, a little bit of it here a second ago. And Matthew goes through this thing real quick. He tells us who Jesus is. Uh, he tells us uh, about how he was, it was all prophesied, it was holy. He tells us that God does something. He has preachers, okay? So here I am, and I'm doing this thing that God has classified as foolish. Preaching. Foolishness. When you get a Presbyterian, you call it apologetics. Okay, I decided that the person that I'm apologizing for is me. I want to apologize if there's something about me gets in the way of the true gospel of the kingdom because what happens is Jesus comes out here and he, he follows the prescription that his father laid out for him. He comes to a world. He submits to its system as a man. He, re, he gets baptized uh, in, in the name of the Father and probably the Son and the Holy Ghost, uh, from John, he gets filled with the Holy Spirit. He gets tempted by the devil, which is nothing by the way, but the devil questioning what God said in your life. I mean, whatever it is. He used the Word of God. You've heard this, but it's, you know, we're just tracking over some familiar ground. He, 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 uh, he, he used God's word in an upside down way. And then Jesus overcame him with the word of God as well. And he came out and he started to preach something. And that was from this time on. I preached a message entitled from this time on one time. Because you don't hear people talk about this very much. Jesus preached repent. Because the kingdom of heaven is near you. Uh, my wife and I were riding down the road this morning. We were talking about this. We never get out of this. We're, here we are. We're stuck in the flesh. The flesh has desires and appetites. It has likes. It's, it's always this thing that's going on with us to where, uh, yes, we're sanctified and we're redeemed, but we're working it out. You know, my, my body, my flesh, it's, it's wanting uh, too, too, too many Oreo cookies or it wants to be angry at someone who said something to me that I didn't like and, or in a way that I didn't like. E- even if it was true, I, I'll try to carve out some kind of perverted moral high ground. That's what we do a lot. Um, but Jesus said, repent. And we're living now in a constant state of repentance. And, and, and God has given us a spiritual mystery that we can just put in gear. And that is, get up every morning and receive the mercy that God gave for you in that day. Like if the day began in the evening, which is a new concept to me, 
I got a lot of messianic friends, and I'm trying to understand it, you know, and uh, the day is the evening, and the morning is a day, you know, so I think about that now, you know, each day I'm kind of like, oh, okay, it's the evening now, don't let the sun go down on my wrath, I got it, you know, I probably made somebody mad or, 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 or something today, or got mad at them, uh, and uh, I need to make sure that I, I, I take care of that, and then my consciousness is clear, I'm going to lay down, I'm going to go to sleep, and in the morning, God's going to have new mercy for me okay and he's told me all I have to do is approach him with what I need I love that uh, the next thing that Matthew told us is he goes through the Beatitudes and if you would just read that at one time Matthew chapter 4 and then you get into the Beatitudes in chapter 5 you see chapter 5 and 6 and you think my gosh you know, this one sermon that Jesus uh, preached right here uh, changed the whole entire world. And, uh, and, 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 and what that message was, was this. You're the light of the world. In fact, God asked me one day, not long ago, uh, that's how I got on to all this. He said, you're the light of the world? I mean, if you're the light of the world, what's the hope for the world here today? Okay? And here's the tension that God has put us in. The world doesn't have very much hope if we're just the light of the world in what we can do. We're, we're not extraordinary in and of ourselves. We're, we're pretty ordinary. And we're now, we've come through to where most of us, we've got a, a pretty good understanding of, of physics and you know, physiology and all of that. And, and, and you can be a Christian and you can revere science and you can understand that it's all the, the, the manifold wisdom of God and everything, and then you just wind up with some more normal. And so what happened once upon a time is that God came to town in a little church where we were. And I would have thought not that much of it, and I might have discounted it, and the thing that's brought me around to the point of kind of wanting to tell the story is that we're just going along and we're saying these exact same things then. I haven't said a single word that you haven't heard before. I know that. Uh, and, and, and we were almost kind of in the same way, but there were some circumstances that lined up. It's almost like the planetary alignment. And here's really what I want to bring your attention to today and that is it has to do with pastor david it has to do with his heart to open up his pulpit and not be afraid i mean you do understand that he's opened up his pulpit and it had some results that weren't what he expected okay and there's been a thing that has plagued the church for a long time, and that's called, I call it, territorial preservation. Okay? And, and so I'm going to, you know, create a culture of honor toward our pastor. Here's one of the things that I love so much about our pastor is that he's not afraid 
Okay, he's not afraid to let someone like me come up here. He's not afraid to let other people come here. He's not afraid to take a chance that God might speak through someone and he, and, and, and he understands that the anointing is distributed through the whole body. See, I've got an expectation. As I look at every one of y'all, y'all all have an anointing. Okay, because you've got Christ... If you've got Christ, you've got the anointed one, and you've got his anointing, okay? So, so I'm going to submit that we have a recipe here in this building. I know that out there, there could be thousands, okay? But especially right here, the thing that I'm going to declare and say that's going to happen, that's going to actually originate in Moravian Falls and go out, is that number one, we're going to commit ourselves to love each other. They all said yes, and I say yes, and it's documented on film, and they got a camera that points at you too. So... We're going to commit ourselves to love each other. Listen, I don't want this to be so simple for us that we miss it. We got to live in a successful failure of the power of God moving. I'm going to tell you about it. I'm trying to prepare you to to hear something simple that I'm going to tell you. And we had something else in a place where some people like me and you decided, you know what, I'm going to do what I need to to make allowances for these people for a little while anyway and see if I love them and we all love God if God will do something. And my wife and I went to a little church. We were seeking God. We were doing what everybody knows to do. Read your Bible. Read your Bible, read your Bible, read your Bible. You, it, just get up and read your Bible. Uh, that, that's, that can't, nothing about that can change. Okay, you're going to have enough problems with interpretation. You're going to have enough problems with the manifold schools of thought about what all of this thing means. The greatest fortunate thing that happened to me was I I just knew early on that uh, when I read a verse that said the Holy Spirit would lead me in all truth and I didn't meet any man to meet any man to be my teacher, that that was the verse for me. And I kind of made that my life verse. And I got off in my closet and I read my Bible and I read my Bible and I read my Bible and I read my Bible. Because God's will and the good things that God wants for you isn't going to happen for you if you don't do your part. And I'm just testifying about myself that I did do my part. I might not have done it perfectly, and I might have read my Bible and went out and wrecked my bicycle and said bad words when I skinned my knee. But I repented. Because we preach repentance from now on. Okay? Here is your absolution. Repent. The kingdom of heaven is at hand. The the Savior has come. He's given you a way. And you're not taking, I don't know, maybe you are taking license, but I'll take it because it's been given to me. And I won't get bogged down in where I failed. I want to launch out into the, the potential of what I had. 
So here's what can happen. It's happened before. Country people, uneducated people, made way in their hearts and in their meeting place together for God to come. That's essential. This has got to be in your heart. What did you come out here to see? Jesus talked about John the Baptist. He said, what would you go out there to see? Some reeds blowing in the wind? You know what that means? That was a vacation spot. He was asking them, what you do? Go down to the river to hang out for the summer, see something pretty, and maybe we'll see an angel over in Moravian Falls. I mean, what are you doing? What are you seeking? What are you, what are you after? It's very, very, very central. And, 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 and I was seeking God. My wife was seeking God. God was making himself amazingly manifest to us. I don't have time to tell you all that. We'll make that another story. Uh, but here we were with some people, and the pastor led a lady that was blind and had raised a passel of kids. That's southern, passel. That's more than two, but I'm not sure how many. Several kids. She was blind from birth. She had no help to help her. Her husband had run off and left her somehow, and she would interrupt our pastor because her heart was bursting with all that God had done for her that week. Yes, yes, yes. That is the spirit of revival. And buddy, we just let that thing flow, okay? And as soon as it started, what we noticed was that we had this unexplainable love for each other. It was extraordinary. And simultaneous to this happening, some uh, country fellows up here had been getting together and riding down to the big town. We actually thought we were going to Pineville, I don't know, but we were going to a fancy log house with a garage and we were meeting with some people that were trying to figure out how you had a New Testament prophet. Nobody knew. And it was ordinary. I was with a dairy farmer and a guy that liked to play guitar. And we're taking a chance that God's doing a new thing. And it's right in our backyard. And we're trying to just go have ears that can hear. And what we find out later is we're sitting down there with Rick Joyner and people that if you start throwing their names around you, you know their names all over the place. And, 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 and we're over here up in the country where we're at. And we're seeking God, and what's happening is He's moving. He's doing everything that you want Him to do. People would ride down the interstate, and the Holy Spirit would say, Get off right here at this exit, and they'd get off. And He'd say, Go up here and take a left, and they'd take a left, and they'd, they'd say, But I don't know where I'm going. I'm going out in the, in the middle of nowhere. And they'd come up to this church in the middle of nowhere, and they'd step out of their car, and when their feet had hit the pavement, they'd get healed. I'll take some more of that. I, I'm like one of these guys in the, in the Bible. I'm going to testify to you of something I've seen. I've touched it. I've tasted it. I was there. And here's the part that'll help you uh, understand that it's valid. We're in the midst of all this. We don't sleep. 
because we want to be together all the time. We're getting together at our houses. Most of us were young. We didn't really have kids. That helped. <clears throat> but we're just eating. We're sitting around, and we're just talking about Jesus. We, we, don't, we, we just have this joy in our heart. And, you know, it's not like we're all been super good people. We're all people that, you know, had every reason to be rejected by God, but we knew that he loved us and he had compassion on us. And we felt, you know, we felt that forgiveness and, and uh, acceptance by God inside of us and we'd just be together you said something about it this morning our pastor's super prophetic by the way you got to really go back and listen to what he says you know he's always being prophetic with you and sometimes it comes in an unlikely slot in in his whole message that he's given you but um anyway we're, we're, we're just loving each other and expecting God and going about normal life, okay? Uh, the, 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 there's an extraordinary thing happening to us, but now it's kind of become ordinary for us. And we're going to a restaurant down in our town, and we're standing there, and it's a buffet thing, you know? And uh, as I'm standing there getting myself some pinto beans or something like that, this guy beside me, and, and he just starts talking. And he's talking about the pinto beans or country ham or something like that. And, uh, you know, you're looking down like this when you're, you're looking at the food. So what I see first is a belly that's bigger than mine, and he's got a sweatshirt that's jacked up about like this, okay? He's got a T-shirt on under it, but anyway. And, and he's, he's talking about, he goes... Uh, he goes, yeah, yeah, uh, God sent me up here out of exile. <laughs> I looked at her, I was like, I didn't, I mean, just some old guy, right? And he said, yeah, I've been down in, in Florida. Uh, God sent me out there when they run me off from Kansas City. I, I don't want to get in trouble for telling this story, but I'm just going to preempt this by saying, this is exactly what happened, Okay. And so he's got my attention. I don't know what he's talking about. He think, he's talking to me like I'm somebody that knows what he's talking about. And I go, oh, yeah, really? Hmm. Because that'll get you through a lot. And he said, um, <laughs> they said they wanted some prophets, but when we prophesied to them, they run us out of town. And uh, I was like, wait a minute, you know, all of a sudden my wheels are going, okay, I'm trying to understand if there is such a thing as a New Testament prophet, and if there is one, what do they look like, and now, you know, you don't know me, you're just talking to me, and uh, I said, uh, I said, who are you? And he goes, he goes, hey, I'm Bob Jones, and God sent me to come to your church. I thought, what? And he said, yeah, your church is the church. God said it's on a side road off of a side road. Y'all know what a side road is? Okay. So, so that's what this church is, a very unlikely place. 
Okay? Remember the moral of my tale is I'm a very unlikely guy, and so are you. And uh, I can't regale you with everything that happened there, but for the next couple of years, Bob Jones, our Bob Jones, lived down the road from us in Statesville. He went to church with us in a sister church of, of ours that still exists. All those churches now have different names because they were all successful failures. God sent us probably the most revered prophet of this age. We ate with him. We sat beside him. Half the time, I couldn't understand what he was talking to me about. He, he, he would come in. He'd say, you see them colors right there? And I'd go, no, I don't. And I felt like there was something wrong with me. I felt like I wasn't spiritually in tune, you know. I wasn't getting it. But I understand now that what God does is he just soups up your ordinary and makes your ordinary extraordinary. And what Bob ultimately taught us and, and what happened there was that we were forever changed because God did move before we messed it up and, and we did mess it up. And I'd like to teach you about how God can really move and you can really mess it up and you can know that you're going to mess it up and do it anyway. It's almost like it was unstoppable. I feel like that what God did for a lot of us, what He did for me and what's relevant for the here and now was that He taught us something back then and He's going to release it now. Because, Amen. Because I'm one of those people back then that when I'm sitting in a congregation, Bob was always saying there's a revival that's going to be led by unknown people and un, unfamous types. Okay? And, and that's what's happening. You know, that's what I'm doing. I'm just trying to, to come up to, to what my call is, you know, what my thing is. My thing is to sound the trumpet, to get up and, you know, rattle the, 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 the coffee pot and say, hey, troops, there's it, it, still time for us to make a difference in, in, our, in our world. The, the latter house can have a greater glory than the former house. And, and he's going to co-mission with me and you. You, you have a part. I, I have a part. And, 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 and part of what we can do can, can be this. I, we used to run all over the place trying to get the anointing. You know, we go to Brownsville, you go to Toronto, you, we went, you know, you'd go here and you go. And there's a lot to that. I mean, don't get me wrong. If you need to be prayed for, if you need somebody to lay hands on you, I think we've got ever anointing there is, man. I mean, no kidding. By faith, he'll turn your ordinary into extraordinary. Uh, he, he's still wanting to move among us. We, we seem like uh, we've kind of regrouped a little bit here. And, and, and I think God wants to, to take off with a new, a new thing. So uh, 
I'm privileged to stand in front of you, to call you my friends, to call you my brothers, to be in the, the fight for our republic together. Thank you, Helen. We sang the battle hymn of the republic. I'm, I'm going to stand in right here on something for that. Uh, this might be a good way to, to close something. Because you just do it all. Let me say this. Just, just do it. If, if you need a better job then get specific with God about the job you want. Okay? If you need to move here, you need to be in a better place, get specific with God about what, what you need. You don't have to keep telling Him over and over and over, but what you do have to do is you have to believe Him. God cannot become supernatural for you until you just bring Him into your natural and your normal. Okay, you've got to be willing to be that person that stands out. You don't have to be weird. But you can be normal about, you know, getting the Holy Ghost involved in every, every, everything of your life. Uh, amen. You know, you, when you're a good preacher, you're supposed to, you know, call people to some action. And I've kind of been doing that the whole entire time. Uh, it's a joy and a pleasure, actually, to look out at your faces, uh, to be with you. Uh, I want to say every day is Christmas. If you gather together to celebrate the anointed one and his anointed, if you'll ask him to come into your ordinary, he'll make it extraordinary. Then you'll begin to have a testimony of what Jesus has done in your life. And when that spirit breaks out among us, that's when you're going to get that thing that you're looking for. Amen. Thank you.